0: G'day, and welcome to episode 123 of the Packify podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today's conversation is with Sean Leggett, who is the president and founder of Ground Up Eco Ventures. Now founded in 2018 and based just south of Calgary at Okotoks, Alberta, Ground Up Eco Ventures takes a unique approach to environmental innovation by upcycling coffee grinds from cafes and collecting used barley grain from breweries to produce delicious superflowers, baking mixes, and high value cosmetic oils. Now, throughout the conversation sean and i explored a lot over the hour including some really innovative technology and equipment that he's pretty much piecemeal together from other industries uh, so that he can process their grinds and grains and extract the oil uh, for their cosmetic um, oils that they're using also quite a lot of detail on the mechanics of the upfront funding that sean received and how he structured that deal which was really cool to hear and we also touched a little on brand development as well uh, you can find the full range of ground up products available via their own online store amazon.ca and retail location right across Alberta and BC so just scroll on down into the show notes where I have all of the links there for you definitely jump onto their website and um, yeah get stuck into this one the business that Sean and his wife have started here is really unique and uh, yeah I'm really excited to keep watching them grow well into the future um, with this being a long weekend I just wanted to make the intro nice and quick for you all so we could get stuck into it so I hope you'll get as much out of today's conversation as I did and enjoy episode 123 with Sean Leggett Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to Mate, be here. It's great to have you on. Uh, you've been on my radar for a while now. You and I haven't had the pleasure of working together. However, here at Foodpack, we have done your packaging. I think you were working with yeah. Nick. You've been working pretty closely with Nick over the years, haven't you? Yeah, you
1: bet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been good. Nick's been awesome to deal with.
0: He's a good guy, and I need to say that because he's my boss, so... You know (laughs) (laughs) but no and uh but it was a a project that i watched closely and that's because you are working with spent coffee grounds and that's something that i've worked with in the past as well so it's something that i uh i took a bit of interest in i checked out your website and uh and then nick's like you really need to have sean on your show to have a conversation and here we are
1: yeah awesome yeah i i heard you mentioned you had worked with uh coffee grounds back from
0: yeah i did i um you know, I was, I was working as a barista, so I was managing a cafe. It's something in, like working with coffee was something that I'd done for years. I uh, I started working for my parents at the age of twelve in their business, and then I moved down to Melbourne at the age of seventeen, turning eighteen, and I was working in a cafe. And I eventually managed that cafe. And over the years, you know, you see an endless amount of coffee grounds going into the knockbox. And yeah, I um I was doing my master's in entrepreneurship and innovation and uh, throughout that course i had the opportunity like most um university courses to work on a business plan and proposal and pitch the idea and um and my idea was to find a use for these coffee grounds and as you know and i'm sure you did your market research and so on and you know dug into the the studies that have been done on the value of coffee grounds one of which is the residual oils that are left over from the coffee making process they're highly valuable some people are using them for Uh, you know, biodiesels, um, some people are using them in cosmetic applications. And then there are people like yourself that are also turning them into flowers. And so, um, I decided to use the actual coffee grind as an exfoliate ingredient in a coffee scrub. So I was collecting the coffee grinds from the cafe that I was working at, I was sifting them and making sure there wasn't any contamination in them. And then when I had a large enough amount, I was sending them to a uh, facility to get them irradiated, to kill any microbiological contamination. And then I was providing the raw ingredient, which I was calling it the raw ingredient to a, um, cosmetic, uh, co-packer and they were producing the coffee scrub, putting it in the tubes and, uh, that I'd purchased and I was taking receipt of the stock and then I was, uh, marketing and selling it. And so the business for all intents and purposes, uh, didn't even really get an opportunity to uh, get off the ground. It was something that I. I went through. I uh, I made a few sales. I uh, really enjoyed it, but then I moved my life across to Canada with my wife, and uh, and the business didn't go anywhere. So I decided to close it down. And it's only this year that and that. So that was 2015 that we moved across. 2016 we shut it down, and here we are in 23. And it's only now that I've uh, sort of come out the other side of the financial impact that that had on our lives, which was probably the greatest lesson in all of it uh, was that, you know, when you're starting a business, there's risk involved and you have to um, go into it with the understanding that if things don't work out, you have to bear the the cost. And so I did, and um, I've said it a few times right now, but starting and operating for a very short window and then closing down that business and, you know, the financial impact of it failing uh, was probably a greater lesson uh, that I learned than the whole of my master's degree. So here we are today.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely yeah. a learning lesson, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least you're uh, you're a lot younger than I am as far as starting and everything else. But I think with age comes a little bit of wisdom and stuff too. So yeah, for sure. I'm counting, I'm counting on that
0: mate you have to and then the network of people that you've got around you that you can leverage to help you make decisions and you know avoid yeah. those potholes in the road are pretty valuable as well yeah 100 mate so you're based over in alberta tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from where'd you grow up
1: Um uh, yeah so we're we're based in oaks which is just a, a bedroom community to calgary we're just 15 minutes south yeah yep. um uh yeah so born in germany Actually, my dad was in the Canadian Armed Forces stationed right. over there. So okay. I was born in Germany in a British military hospital. Mm-hmm. Um we moved back to Canada and I was eight months old. That was the last time I ever saw Germany. Yep. Um I did try to leverage it to get a European a German passport because I wanted to go work in Europe. And I got told very directly that just because you were born in Germany doesn't make you German German. It's true. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then we lived in, um, we bounced between Calgary and Edmonton, uh, between the uh, military bases there until my parents moved back here in 84, my dad retired. Um, and uh, then we just ended up living in Calgary
0: hmm And a career yeah. in the armed forces wasn't something that was on your mind at all?
1: Oh, no. No, I struggle way too much with uh, with uh, discipline and uh, and control and all that stuff. I don't think it was the life for me. Some
0: could say um, it was maybe what you needed.
1: <laughs> probably. Probably would have done me a worldly good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, uh, I ended up working in oil and gas. Yeah. Pretty much almost everybody in Alberta. I spent yep. 23 years in that industry. Um, I left it in 2018, went back for a year, COVID hit, left mm. again. And I had already been, I'd already been researching circular economies and mm. upcycling. And it was just something that I was just, I, I thought was amazing and stuff. Mm. So the second time it, it came around with COVID, it's like, okay, hey, I'm doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. What was the impact of the 2008 global financial crisis on, uh, on your career in Alberta?
1: um actually got through it pretty good yeah um uh, I was in the field then um working for an oil field service company and yeah I mean it it slowed down it definitely would have affected my you know if I went back with my t4s it was probably mm-hmm. definitely down um but at the same point in time I was with a strong company that had a good track record and yeah and we did okay
0: yeah, yeah, that helps in 2007, I moved across to Canada for the first time and I did a ski season at Lake Louise. And then after that season, I went and worked to summer in Calgary as a laborer cutting concrete and the city was booming. Like the amount of, um, it, it was the amount of, um, infrastructure being built and the, like there were cranes in the sky everywhere you looked like there was concrete being poured everywhere. It was unbelievable. And the opportunity to make some really good money occurred, and then I went home back to Australia, and I returned in 2010 to do another ski season at Kelowna. and then after that season, I went back to Calgary, and things were not the same. Things had slowed right down.
1: Yeah, it's feast or famine. Yeah, right. Um, when when times are good, they're really good.
0: I've heard that. Um, yeah.
1: And when times are when times are hurting, it's definitely a different. Yeah. It's a different vibe and stuff. Yeah. But at yeah. the same point in time. I think especially now, I think, uh, like, well, Albertans are pretty resilient because we go through these feast and famine stages. Yeah. Um, but at the same point in time, there's a lot of new industry coming into Alberta. There's a lot of, you um, see a lot of stuff on technology and everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a changing landscape that helps kind of soften that, that cycle, right?
0: Yeah. Calgary is a beautiful place. It'll always um, hold a really special place in my mind. Um, I've had two of the best summers of my life there and, uh, yeah, I'd like to take the kids back one day, especially to see Lake Louise, but to see a bit of Calgary as well. Um. But yeah, I uh, you know now that I'm in the uh, the packaging industry, obviously, I've got my finger on the pulse on the CPG industry, and there's a lot of innovation, and there's a lot going on in Calgary, which is great for you. How have you found it as a uh, a place to do business in the CPG industry and the networks that you've been able to build?
1: Uh, it's good. Uh, we're a little bit out of it being here in Okotoks. It's, it's yeah. a little bit harder to kind of get into it than that, but yeah, amount a ton of great people. Uh, yeah you know, in Calgary and Alberta, period. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people, like, we're all trying to do the same thing, right? Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's upcycling or whether it's, you know, tortillas or salsas or, or hummus or mm-hmm. or anything like that, ice cream even, you know, it's uh, or drinks. I mean, Rich Jacobson is a, is a huge Robita. success
0: story. I know. I've uh, had him on the show twice now.
1: Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, there's you see a lot of people doing that, and there's a lot of support groups. I've been able to make them, um, like local laundry um, and Devin and oh, I can't remember their name, but they have a thing once a month where it's get together and, and, uh, wow, just trying to everybody share their suffering and what they, you know, what they're going through and yeah. stuff. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah I need yeah. to have those guys on the um on the podcast actually. I've been watching them from a distance via LinkedIn. so I'm very mm-hmm. aware of what the, who they are and what they do. um but I didn't realize that, yeah, they held events and you know gathered everybody up and sort of put the opportunity out there for people to network. I didn't realize that was a the thing they did, yeah
1: yeah they uh like Devon and Lang that's what they're called Devon and Lang and local Laundry share the same space mm. so they um uh, they put these events together and stuff and I I used to leave to Glenn but um yeah you know we're we're finding lots of opportunity um you know collaborating with other companies we just um we have a we're part of a shampoo and conditioner bar that's mm-hmm. coming out that cool. um is carbon capture is vertical farming is upcycling so has all these cool components to it, mm. and it's all it's all made right here in Calgary and area.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's great to see that you know things are evolving. You know, out of the industries that have been ingrained there for years. I mean, it's it's a good thing that you know we all evolve. Um, but it's just testament to, like you suggested, the the grit of the people that live in Alberta in particular. I, I find that you guys are a, a pretty unique breed, and some of the uh, you know, and when I say unique breed, what I mean is that you guys have got serious grit. I feel like I've been down to the States a few times, and I feel like Alberta could be an extension of the States in some ways, especially from what I hear, Texas.
1: Um, yeah, I think in some ways. um, uh, I think it's different than others. Um, One thing it definitely does is that like one, one of the things I learned through the energy industry is kind of just to get things done. Yeah,
0: get shit done. Like
1: you... Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Like it's you know, it's a oil and gas is a 24 hour a day, seven day industry. And that's different than CPG because I mean, nobody's calling me after five o'clock for coffee flour, right? Nobody, nobody calls at two o'clock in the morning and says, Oh my God, we just broke down. You need to hot shot me some coffee flour, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or some pancake mix or anything like that. And in oil and gas, I mean, for years, um, Make your phone ring, morning, yeah. noon, and night, and uh, yeah. it it does teach you, it it gives you a, a work ethic that's mm. a little, probably a little bit different than a lot of people's.
0: Yeah, for sure, mate. I'd love to dig into ground up ventures uh, with you, and we will. But before we yep. actually dig into the business itself, you've come from the energy industry, and when you change industries when you're deeply embedded in an industry and you're looking elsewhere for opportunities the grass can always look greener you know like mm-hmm. i've come from the coffee industry and now i'm in the packaging industry and when i was in the coffee industry i'm like what else is there like you know you're always the grass is always greener essentially is what i'm trying to say but now that you've shifted to a different sector a different industry when you look back at oil and gas do you look at it with fond memories do you do you pull your hair out at the cpg industry and go what the hell am i doing here like what is your take on it right now
1: <laughs> yeah well, i mean both industries would have you pulling your hair in the morning, mm-hmm. "Right? yeah what the hell am i doing here a few more um, grace gives you grace yeah yeah i mean yeah like 23 years in oil and gas i got to work with some amazing people yeah. uh got some amazing bosses um it's uh, you know, I lived a lifestyle where um for a lot of my life I was on the road for you know 15, 16 days at a time, home mm-hmm. for five and gone again, right? So yeah. it's it's very different. Um, you know, at the end, oil prices have been down for a long time. They kind of really faded uh early 2014, stayed low. It wasn't wasn't a lot of fun for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I had the desire to own my own company, Um, I kind of didn't want to work in oil and gas. I wanted something new. I wanted something different. Yeah. Um, And that's when I found upcycling. And, and to me, it's just, it's all about the positivity and the mm. impacts that you make at things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, you know, I look back at oil and gas Um and, and, you know, I guess, you know, one of the things I really miss is that paycheck. Um, and some of you know some of the people you get to work with and the stuff you get to do and everything Mm -hmm. else and being now in the cpg industry yeah there's days i wonder what what have i done right what am i doing what have i done um at the same point in time though i i love it i love winning every day yeah and uh and that's especially that's what i focus on Mm -hmm. every day right like You know, there's equipment problems, but at the end of the day, you know, 10 minutes before you go home, somebody emails you and says, hey, we want to buy your products. Yeah. And that's what you remember. That's what you go home. You got to pay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, both of them have me shaking my head. (laughs) Um, there's, there are some similarities. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you're still trying to sell you're still trying to get in front of that buyer. Yeah. Um, you still have to do your pitch. You still have to demonstrate your value and everything else. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, but I, I love what I do and, uh, that's great. Yeah. We're going to stick with this for a while.
0: Good for you, mate. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell me what sparked the idea of ground up eco adventures, uh, ventures, sorry. Eco ventures. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I went to a guy's business. Um, I'd already started kind of looking at circular economies mm-hmm. and, um, and upcycling and, you know, I, I did my MBA at Royal Roads right. and I was the only oil and gas guy in my cohort. Um, there's one other oil and gas guy in the other cohort, but it's just got to work, you know, learn and work with a bunch of different people, different thinking and stuff. And um, at that point in time, I was even, you know, reassessing my career and things. And uh, I went through a guy's business that was using organics as fuel um he was taking waste and he was using it to run his boilers and everything else and he was really doing a good job of of having a business in the heart of calgary and taking himself off the grid Hmm. pretty much right so what was he using when
0: when you say organics what was he specifically using everything really uh
1: everything from from waste paper to copy grounds to food um he would take rags that had solvents and stuff in them and he would squeeze those solvents out and capture that
0: and then turn them into like a biodiesel use
1: yeah use them for fuel for the wow. boiler and he um yeah. so it was a really it was a really cool business and when i went through it i saw tons of consumer items and knowing how consumers were getting more about sustainability and environment and everything else it was just like well people would pay for that people would pay for that if you marketed that you could do this you could do that and then um yeah i just started looking at things and and uh the first road we went down were the coffee grounds Uh and i found um you know i found a company in germany that made plates and cups and saucers and stuff um found another one in england that was making the biodiesel Mm-hmm. um they unfortunately just uh they had a bit of a wreck and they just shut their doors but they were doing the coffee logs and stuff and there's a company in Taiwan that makes fabric I found all these
0: cool things and you and I must different. have uh, googled the same things when we were doing a market research so I'm sure that we've came across yeah very very similar businesses yeah. and opportunities out there yeah
1: it was just this incredible rabbit hole yeah. and uh, I'm always hitting my wife up with business ideas we should do this we should do that and, and now when we started talking about coffee oil and cosmetics, that's really stuck. So, of uh-huh. um, course, downtown Calgary, walking through the plus 15s, there's Starbucks and coffee shops everywhere. And yeah. um called a good friend of mine at the time and said, I got it. We're going to upcycle coffee grounds. We're going to call it ground up. And here we go. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and then... Uh, we we brought the spam grain on just because I wanted to uh, diversity. I didn't yep. want to be I didn't want to be like a one trick pony, right? Um, I wanted to have uh, multiple products that I could do multiple things with and <laughs> uh, go from there.
0: so you had this idea. you wrote it down. you saw an opportunity. What was step one to actually putting the wheels in motion?.
1: Mm. <clears throat> um well step one even before I started a business plan was just proof of concept
2: Mm -hmm.
1: really like could this really be done did it really work like what's the technology look like so I would uh I'd go to work every morning with two five gallon pails I drop them off at the coffee shop in the plus 15 of uh of the office tower I worked in and I'd leave work every day with two five gallon pails of coffee grounds come home and start dehydrating them in my oven so for Oh, goodness, for months, my house just reeked
0: the cough. I know like that everything. smell all too well. I was dehydrating yeah. my coffee grinds on a, uh, I was renting some commercial um, ovens. Well, they weren't specifically ovens. They were more like food warmers. They're sort of the size of a fridge. They actually look like a, a home fridge. You open the door okay, and they've yeah. got the racks in it. And so I was sifting yeah. the coffee and putting them on just uh, baking trays and just loading up those racks and it would just hold it at a pretty consistent temperature. And that's how I was dehydrating mine. So I know that smell of those coffee grinds all too well.
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was, I, I believe Eric, I'm like, I'm so busted. I'm yeah. still going to run into my boss or something and I, yeah. I'm so, how do I don't <laughs> explain this? Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean the first thing we did was the proof of concept on the oil extraction. So yep. we read a bunch of research papers, looked at the numerous ways you could do it, and everything else, and and uh, we ended up doing the the proof of concept. We made coffee oil, and it was okay. Here we go. Now I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. Like how am I going to do this not in my oven, mm-hmm. but how am I going to do this on a commercial scale? Yeah. And and what's it going to take? Um, how how big is the equipment? Mm-hmm. Right. How much, mm-hmm. how much can I process, you know, and then looking at, you know, then you start doing your business plan then you start crunching your numbers. And you're, you know, you're like, I can buy this for this much money and I can process this much a day. And it gives Get me that this yield. much, yeah. you know, yeah. What's your yield. And then even trying to guess what it's worth. That's the
2: that's
1: million the dollar question. Thing. I know. Right. What is yep. it worth? And, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's coffee oil in the market. There's um, you know, you see these you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing wasn't the reason and one of the reasons too is what we're doing wasn't being done on a, any kind of scale here in Canada. Yeah. Right. Um, I still believe I'm the only guy in North America that makes coffee oil.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? From um, spent
0: coffee grounds.
1: From spent coffee grounds, yeah. Yeah. So then it's then it's like, am I gonna be able to sell this? Do people mm-hmm. want it?
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: and then COVID hits, and you can't buy flour, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and um, yeah. And then we just ended up, you know, putting a business plan together and fine tuning it, and then you're shopping that around and trying to get banks to finance you, and you know, even the whole process of getting a license with Alberta Health Services and everything else was was uh different, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when you were out there and you were looking at potential applications for the coffee oil that you'd extracted, you know, you've got an opportunity for it to be used in a cosmetic application. You've got an opportunity for it to be used as a food source. You've got to, an opportunity for it to be used as a fuel source. How did you sort of test each assumption in all of the categories that you're potentially looking at to see which one was most viable and which one would sort of essentially Give you the greatest opportunity to utilize the oil or the yields of oil that you were getting from the coffee grounds in the most efficient way.
1: Yeah, so I mean, one of the first companies I like that was BioBean in the mm. UK, um, and they were going down the whole biodiesel road, and yeah. that kind of fit with you know, kind of fits with my background, yeah. right, coming from oil and gas, but it's just energy intensive. I mean, it's a whole logistics problem. It's um uh, how much can you process the yeah. do you process? And even looking at some of their stuff online and how they were doing it, just the cost of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just I mean, and you're looking at, you know, the UK, which now imports oil instead of exporting. Um, like here, I mean, diesel's a dollar but forty-two a liter today. Mm-hmm. Right. And I didn't, you know, I looked at what things were and I didn't think I could make biodiesel, you know, even as an additive to even make that make sense. Um, you know, I looked at the biopolymers for doing the plastic injection molding, and I still look at that all the time because I think it's so cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it just wasn't really, I thought it was really cool, but it just wasn't something I could really like get into. And then based on the volumes we could produce and everything else, cosmetics just made a lot of sense when we look at the advantages of coffee oil and skincare and hair care. And then you look at the whole movement in cosmetics to go green to sustainability. Yep. Upcycling's got huge growth potential. Yeah. Um, and also for what we use for creating the coffee oil, we can also create other extracts,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So um, just saw more longevity. In mm-hmm. that, and more opportunity to build off of that platform to increase our product line and, and everything else.
0: Right. It seems that you and I drew to the same conclusions then. Um, so, the reason that I ended up going down the path of using the coffee grinds as an exfoliate ingredient is because when I was doing my research on exfoliates, uh, there's a huge issue with microbeads out there you know, and, Mm. uh, the detrimental impact that it has on the environment. And I thought, okay, if we could use the coffee grinds as an exfoliate, it's going to be an organic material that would eventually degrade in the environment in a natural way and it won't cause any issues. So I went down that road. When you were looking at utilizing the coffee grinds to extract the oil, that's a whole different beast because you need pretty specific equipment to be able to do that. So talk to me about how you went about, um, obviously testing the idea I'm assuming with a third party and then, uh bringing it
1: in-house yeah so a lot of that was just um looking at uh, this, this is great right? how do you do it what gives you the best results um yeah. reading countless hours of research papers uh-huh. um and then finding that um you know and then starting to research each technology uh-huh. um you know ethanol extraction was a big one I didn't want to go down that road because um, to me, it just didn't fit the whole mantra of being green and sustainable, yeah. using, using ethanol to extract. So, you know, we looked down some other ones, um, settled on the one we use, and then just started finding companies and equipment. And I mean, you can find equipment globally, um, which sometimes comes with a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. right? You can source equipment out of Asia, that you can get a heck of a lot cheaper, but then you don't yeah. have a lifeline. You don't have any support when it's four o'clock in the afternoon. And that breaks down.
0: Stuff. It's hard to work on that equipment. It's hard to find parts for sure.
1: Yeah. 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 So then we just, um, yeah, we found a Canadian company that we, we wanted to work with it seemed to have really good technology and everything else. And then mm-hmm. we did our, did our first trial.
0: Mm-hmm. So Let's go back to the very first thing that I said. When you start a business, you know that you're taking on a certain element of risk. You know, um, the idea may fail for all you know, but you've got to go out on a wing and, um, you know, back yourself. And um, when you back yourself, obviously, the financial impact of backing yourself is pretty significant when you're building out your own facility. So what was it specifically that gave you the ability to go, effort, let's do it. Let's just go all in. And let's see if this thing has legs.
1: Um. So the first thing that allowed me to do that was uh, an incredibly supportive spouse yeah. who uh, probably had enough years of listening to me uh, bitch, whine and complaining about mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. And um, said, so if you want to do this, then let's go for it. And let's um, do it properly kind of thing. Yeah. And then we did find, like we found some investors. We raised, um, you know, a few hundred thousand. Really? In, yeah and uh in investment yeah um so that was a big thing we were able to um we were able to find a group called Community Futures out here in Alberta that takes on the high risk um and they actually believed in what we were doing we were able to sell them because you have to you have to be able to sell them so that they'll stroke Mm -hmm. you a big check Mm -hmm. um and yeah it was you know it was the research and everything else like the upcycle food industries were 53 billion dollars you yeah. see all of these things happening worldwide that get you really excited and those are the things that believe you know you can make it you look at companies in the u.s like regrain grain for grain um, and there's a few others uh, renew mill is another one that's quite popular and stuff and you're like, well, this is happening everywhere. And no one's really doing it here. Not on a not on a scale. There's others doing it for sure. But um not on any kind of scale. And it's, you know, a little bit of, I think I can do this better, and I think I can do this cheaper. And yeah, and here we go. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of what the belief was, right?
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, so when you were out there and you were pitching the idea. And uh, you were looking for finance. Were you selling off equity in the business? Like how did you structure the deals that you were putting together?
1: Yeah, we just sold, it was just equity, Yeah, right? We gave up, we sold 15% of the company. Right. Right. Um, And we, like I said, we just found people that believed that. Yeah, just off the back
0: of the idea, yeah. Yeah. And their confidence in you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So which is kind of scary right but uh, at the same point in time you know it's people have to believe in you you have to believe in yourself yeah and uh I'm you know incredibly stubborn right Mm -hmm. um I think you kind of have to go into it like failure is not an option Mm -hmm. you can't go you can't just dip your toe in the pool and you know try it Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um so yeah it was just all in and you know very Resilient, did you know, found out a ton of equipment and you know, even with upcycling, there isn't really any specific equipment. Not like you can go out and buy a piece of equipment here is what you use for, yeah, for upcycling, right? Uh Um, so yeah, it was just a patchwork of things. Like we literally, our proof of concept was literally our kitchen island, Uh right? And we did everything on our kitchen island and then you know, went and Got a bunch of POs, wrote some really big checks and uh, like how it would all work.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. you went out and when you say you got a bunch of POs, so you actually like pre-sold a ton of product?
1: No, actually, no, sorry, POs for the equipment. Oh, right. right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You, it, yep, um, got yep. Yeah.
1: So just the equipment, it's been very interesting, right? People are very... People love the idea.
2: Yeah. Then they're very
1: cautious to move forward. And at the same time, um I think they want to uh they want to see if you're gonna stick around. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so now that we're coming up on our second anniversary, um, and we're really starting to see things come to fruition. So now it's you know, for two years it's been like, oh my god, are we gonna make it?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um and now it's like, oh my god, here we go. Mm -hmm. So totally totally different experience right Totally
0: For different sure. mindset. yeah i mean it's interesting when you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to get something off the ground like the initial sort of market research product validation building out of a facility testing your idea building a brand getting something in a package and then you've got to go out and sell and market it like there's different stages of the process and uh and you know they all present their own unique challenges I can imagine there would have been you know um you know when you were building out the facility its own unique set of challenges of actually getting something operational and getting things working um efficiently and now that you've got something in a bag now you actually have to get out there and hustle it so it's taken on like a whole new life of its own throughout the process what have you found have been sort of the bottlenecks or the most challenging pieces of the puzzle to sort of overcome and where are you at right now in the whole scheme of things yeah so.
1: I mean, right initially right off the bat, like when we approached health services, their initial response was, you want to do what? Mm. Um so we told them we wanted to upcycle spent grain and spent coffee grounds. And they said, Well, no one's ever asked us that before. Uh-huh. So to me, I was like, that's perfect, right? Because I don't I don't wanna be the first, right? I wanna be, you know, I don't want to be the leader on this. Um so you know we had to we had to do a lot of work with them in education. You know when you pick it up, where's it coming from? How long is this? How long is that? Because they're of course, you know they're freaking out about you know microbials and mm-hmm. and everything else. Yeah. Um. So you know we initially you know we had to sell the to investors and the banks. We then had to sell to Alberta Health, and they were actually they were awesome. Our rep for Alberta Health was awesome. Like he was with us every step of the way, so. helped us prove it. So we get to the point, you know, equipment's in, everything works. Um, We have, uh, you know, Sobeys uh, here in Alberta and BC as well. They have tremendous, all across Canada, they have a tremendous local program. Um, Go to them and we're deemed high risk because we're upcycling. Um, So that required us to get, you know, HACCP approved and everything else. And I'm like, you know, the hell is asset
2: yeah I yeah know, yeah a clue
1: right yep um and kind of at that point in time i was the only one that was actually working the business right mm-hmm. my kids would help out part time my wife was you know she still worked full time um and if you know when it comes to food safety and hassle times and suppliers assurance audits and stuff it is an incredible amount of work yep and there was no way that um that I could run the business, build the business, and do all that food safety stuff at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we then, we changed our focus. And um, so running into hurdles with, with the, um, I call them the tier one stores. So that's your Sobeys, your Savons, all that stuff. And I said, let's focus on our tier two stores, which are, you know, they have like 10, 15 stores. That kind of
0: thing. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they're owned by the big guys. So you're running into just the exact same problems, right? Uh-huh. So it was okay, well, that didn't work. So then pivot back um to having the, you know, the food safety thing and everything else. And so we got that done just this February. We hired an operations manager, which has been huge because now, you know, there's two of us with our eyes on our paperwork and everything else. Uh-huh. Get all that done and and literally it was like as soon as we got that done it just, like the door just got booted open. Uh Um, You know, we're starting now to track down Sobeys and Safeways get on the shelves there. We're launching with a major retailer this fall from, you know, right across Western Canada.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah, and now we have the stuff happening on the cosmetic side. Uh Um, And yeah, so it's like, wow, just should have got that done a long time ago, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Live and learn, right?
0: Yeah. There's a few things that I heard just then. So, you know, when you have your initial idea, you obviously write it down, you come up with your business plan that you've gone out and you've pitched to the world. One thing that I learned throughout um, doing my master's is that, you know, even though you write something down, as soon as you put it out into the world, you have to completely be flexible and the business plan shifts almost immediately. Like it's out of date as soon as the ink's dry. So... Mm -hmm. A couple of 100%. things, yeah. When you're putting all of that together, obviously you're putting together your um, you know, your projected financials and when the business can potentially break even based on the revenue that you think that you're going to generate, your anticipated expenses and overheads and so on, your cost of goods. <clears throat> what kind of period of time did you sort of look at the business being operational from first writing to those budgets uh, when did you figure you would be able to break even on the business? Was it like a five and eight, a ten-year period, versus what the reality of the business looks like right now?
1: Um, no, I was totally optimistic based on the research on public response for upcycled goods, sustainability, mm-hmm. and everything else. Mm-hmm. We were going to be in the black by the end of the first year.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Right. Just yeah, based on what we saw in things and what you know what. Came to light very quickly is, um, and I don't know if it's Canadians, I don't know if it's lower, you know, smaller population or anything like that. Um, there's a ton of education, hmm. right? Especially um, on
0: something like an upcycled product, like education's key. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. People are, and so, you know, and we did a good job, I thought, on our packaging and stuff of telling the story.
0: Your website's right. very clear um, as well, I gotta say. Like it's very clear what your intention and what it is that you bring to the table on your website. You've done a really good job there.
1: Oh, thanks. And that's you know, that's part of our, our marketing company uh-huh. that we used. Um we identified that right off the bat mm. is that we needed to we needed to make that investment. Uh-huh. Um we need you need to be able to stand out on the shelf. And I think our packaging does a really good job of that. Agreed. Um and now we're working on shipper displays, you know, aisle displays and all that stuff to, mm-hmm. to keep that message going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, yeah, it's been education all across the board. And, you know, a lot of companies talk, you know, a lot of companies use the word sustainability and everything else. And, you know, we did our research. We found cosmetic companies in Canada that were using coffee oil in their cosmetics and things. Uh, but even that was was thought. It's like, hey, we're right here. Um but you know you have to develop those relationships it's like anything and i think those are some of the similarities to and gas you have to have those relationships people want to have a conversation they want to get the idea you know you're not a snake oil salesman or Mm. or anything like that right so um yeah i mean it's been constant um constant educating Mm. i would say like it's it's consumers it's buyers it's the works right and we had a lot of early success i mean like last uh this time last year, we won gold at Seattle in Montreal. Right. Um mm-hmm. we thought, holy cow, look at us, look at us go. We won gold. Like we're the we're the shit, right? Yep. Here we go. Yep. Um and it didn't it didn't really transpire into that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um we won the Maiden Alberta Awards, which was good, which really actually we did see uptick from that one and stuff, Yeah, it sort of validates
0: perfect. your idea, it validates the concept in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, and then yep. we took part in launched that at the Canadian Health Food Show, mm-hmm. um, and that was just you know we didn't win, but it was an opportunity to get out in front of people. and, yeah, and tell sure. our stories.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had um, I just interviewed uh, Mitch Cobb from Libra, non-alcoholic beer, and one of their right. keys to success after winning all of their awards down in the states is um, a heavy PR campaign. And, uh, and, you know, really working hard to get in front of editors of magazines, radio shows, daytime TV shows, podcasters, and so on like that. And I think that has been um, pretty critical to their success in that they're actually like actively telling their story. And it sounds like a really easy thing to do, but it's not. It's very, very time consuming and laborious to sort of have a PR campaign like that. Have you found that to be the case with marketing and PR?
1: Um. Yeah. And just the, old, the whole um. It's just the cost. It's how do you pick your opportunities mm-hmm. and the risk, right? It's all risk and reward. It's the same yep. thing as starting your business. Yep. It's on a smaller scale, but you know, if somebody gives you an opportunity for, you know, it's five grand to do this or it's three grand to do mm-hmm. that, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, And you're like, okay, I think we should do this one. I think this one is it. And then it goes out and it just falls flat.
0: Yeah. That 5k club that you talked about just before we kicked off into the show
1: yeah I mean there's there's a ton of things um you could you can 5k yourself to death uh-huh. right um uh-huh. and nothing comes with any guarantees right uh-huh. it's like if I give you this five grand what's gonna happen uh-huh. well you're gonna do this am I gonna get you know am I getting POs am I getting distribution am I getting uh-huh. this to that well well hopefully you know and it's you know when you're when you're a new business and stuff you know spending five thousand bucks on hopefully gets yeah it's a little rough right
0: uh-huh. that 15 percent of the business that you sold off for the um for startup funding how have you found the burn on that 15 percent to be like did you burn through it a lot quicker than you thought you would did you get as far down the road as you did because one thing that we all know in cpg is that you've got to pay to play you've got to pay to get onto the retail shelf and uh that's a lot more expensive um than a lot of people realize how did you find it to be
1: Um, so we burned through that in a heartbeat. Yeah, that was all for the acquisition of equipment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have you know, we I tell people I have a piece of equipment that was five times more than my first house. Yeah. Right, yep. so that yep. kind of lets you know the financial investment. Um, it also lets people know this. how old
0: you are, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you were buying a house <laughs> back well, in the you, day. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know the numbers. You don't, you just,
1: you're just assuming I'm a ass, lot. I'm
0: making an assumption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I'm old enough, though. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it. Like um, we have a our facilities four thousand square feet. Yeah. Um, yep. right. Uh, and we have room within that facility to increase production and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's not like, like you can't do this with a co-packer. Yeah. Right. Um, yep. you could, you probably could do it third party, but then you're it through the roof. Right? That's
0: what I found. I had really no margin to play with at the end of the day, because the cost of, uh, the co-packer producing and filling my tubes was far too great. That was one of the lessons that I learned. There wasn't enough margin in my product
1: yeah yeah and that um I mean one of my one of my goals from the start is when we when I looked it up so I freeze, I was like holy cow this stuff's expensive
2: uh-huh.
1: right uh-huh. um and I ordered some on like Amazon and stuff and I wasn't really impressed with how much I got for what I paid so
2: uh-huh.
1: one of my goals right from the start was how do we do this so that it's affordable to 80% of consumers uh-huh. not that 10% or 20% or whatever, right Mm-hmm. Um, so when we set up, like we're we're set up to do some volume,
2: mm.
1: right? And that's how you, I mean, that's how you do it at an affordable price. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That it takes a hell of a financial investment into equipment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, scales of economy work in your favor every day of the week. How um, long into the future, or how far are you able to scale with the facility that you've built? And uh, you know how far down the track do you think you're going to be looking before you either have to bring some more equipment into the fold or sign a new lease on a facility?
1: So yeah, so we're lucky that like everything I, I yeah some of the stuff is expandable without having to expand my footprint. Yeah. Um, and I also know that there's um there's a shelf life on my on my process yeah. that. there's a quantity uh-huh. right. So I mean, from day one, I've been researching equipment right, trying to find the next piece, What does this, what does that have. Yeah. Being operational for two years also lets us identify the bottlenecks and also identify some of the shortcomings of how we do things and everything mm-hmm. else. So what we're working on now is developing our own platform that, you know, it reduces our energy consumption, it reduces our labor costs and, you know, quadruples our processing capability Um, So that's what takes us to the next level, is being able to develop that technology.
0: So you're speaking automation specifically or? Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: From the front end, so you pop the raw ingredient in and out the other side comes what? Like an oil or is it, what is it specifically? Um,
1: No, just mainly it's just mostly on like the drying process.
0: Right. Right, right, right. Everything
1: comes in the door at, you know, 8% moisture. Yeah. Which, which is quite which heavy. Time.
0: Like it's it's you'd be extracting quite a bit of weight out of the equation too.
1: Right. So yeah. it's it's how do you do it fast and how do you do yeah. it um, cheaply?
0: Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's amazing, yeah. mate. Um, I can imagine that you know building out a facility, like you said, quite piecemeal together with equipment that's not specifically used for this intended purpose would have been quite challenging did you um reach out to anybody specifically within any other industries that could help you like what other industries were you pulling this equipment from
1: um I look everywhere mm. I mean when it comes obviously like my flour mill is from you know milling flour and that kind yep. of thing but yeah I went, like and you know like laboratory industries uh-huh. um CBD industries uh-huh. um just anything and everything and I still do to this day I look uh-huh. at the textile industry I'm like oh, how do they do it how do they make this how do they do that what's uh-huh. this process what's that process uh-huh. and you know if you find something that's unique and cool um you know look at farmers pharma- pharmaceutical business right so you know nothing is nothing ever fits like a glove it's not yeah. like you can just go out buy you know a piece of equipment it's like this is the miracle we've been looking for but having the ability to look at a piece of equipment and go okay that's got me 50 percent of the way there uh-huh. right so if i can just change this this or this that gets me 100 percent. that'll do what i want it to do and then it's just a question of uh, you know, do you want to approach that company and say, hey, do you want to make some modifications on your equipment or, mm. you know, do you kind of engineer that part yourself?
0: Mm. I was going to say, do you have any buddies that are mechanical engineers or boilermakers?
1: Uh, I have a ton of buddies that are mechanical That's engineers. What I thought. Yeah. Right? Coming from oil and gas, you yeah. have got guys that want to play with this stuff all day long. Yeah.
0: Mate, I've got so much time and respect for um, boilermakers and uh, mechanical engineers. The way that their mind works And is built is incredible. I lived with a couple and I've got a cousin that's a Boilermaker as well. They can look at something and pull it apart and put it back together in their head. It's just incredible the way that they can, you know, see something and have a vision for it. It's really, really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that with the growth of upcycling and everything else, I think technology development, Uh I think it's just just as big of an opportunity as upcycling the food itself. I think yeah. you know that's a that's a big part of our business is actually creating that hmm. and and using that to, to grow and scale our business right
0: across North America. Do you see an opportunity to patent some of the equipment that you have sort of built? Yeah, 100%. yeah. Oh, cool. yeah, is that something 100%. you're actively pursuing at the moment? To yeah. and then license the technology out.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, we want to, we want to have multiple facilities across North America right, and be able to, you know, sell that plan for globally.
0: That's awesome, mate. Who would have guessed that that would have been part of the equation when you were building out this business?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, it raked, well, it has been actually from day one. Really? Yeah. We've we've seen that. Yeah. We've seen that opportunity and that was part of the, that was part of the sales pitch to the investors,
2: right?
1: Mm. Um, You know, like, my uh, my strategy professor said the key to success is diversity and globalization. Uh-huh. Right. So um diversity comes in my mind, diversity in our business comes in the in products that we can upcycle. Uh-huh. You know, we do spent grain and coffee right now. We're about to uh within the next two months, we're gonna field trial a couple other things um and see how they work and what we can create from that to expand our portfolio uh-huh. and uh you know, in both food and cosmetics. Um, and then it's developing that, that platform that will, uh, really give us that edge on how much we can process. We're, you know, we're looking at being able to quadruple our
0: production. So That's awesome, mate. Of the whole business from start to finish where you are right now, um, what do you think has brought you the most sleepless nights? Is it the building out of the facility? Is it the actual marketing and selling of the product? At the end of the day, like, what has kept you up at night?
1: Um, getting the market, getting to getting market. it on retailer shelves. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing. Like, yeah, you know, from doing you know from doing like farmers markets, trade shows, all that stuff, you know that your message resonates with people, uh-huh. right? But you have to if, if you can't get on the star shelf, you can't get to the people. Uh-huh. Right. If you can't get to the people, you can't sell your product and you know, you go broke and die.
0: It's also one right? thing to get onto the shelf and then it's another thing to get off the shelf too.
1: Yeah. And that's that's the one thing too that we've we've uh noticed. And that's one thing, like as we grow and we get more shelf space and everything else, we um You know, that's a big part of it. You know, so we have QR codes on our packaging Mm -hmm. that we need to exploit more of. Um, and it's just, you know, you can't be everywhere and you have to be able to tell your story. So that's where the shipper displays come in, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. and having the upcycling process there for people to read Mm -hmm. and kind of you know get their heads wrapped around what we're doing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, that's the biggest thing is like, you know, I I know we have a good product, Mm -hmm. you know, we you know. Um, it moves, we have people that like it, we've won awards, all that stuff. Uh Um, and that's the, the hardest part is how do I get that? How do we as a company really get things flying off the shelf? Uh
0: Yeah. Good question. And there are a lot of people out there that you'll be able to, um, glean that advice from, and I know that that's LinkedIn is such a great resource for fielding those kinds of questions and finding the right people that have done it before. You know, like you just yeah. look at Mike Fatter, you know, and the success mm-hmm. that he had at Manitoba Harvest. And, you know, he's so willing to provide his time and insights for business people like you. He's a, a resource that I would recommend that you reach out to. I've heard from many people that he's so willing to have a cup of coffee or, you know, spend time on Zoom with. Um, so, yeah, Mike Fatter would be somebody that I'd reach out to if I was in your position right now.
1: For sure. Yeah, I do follow him on
0: LinkedIn. He's yeah. awesome, isn't he? He puts out a lot of great content. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a good yeah, podcast as well. I'd recommend that podcast to anybody listening out there. I think it's called Founder to Mentor Podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> Mate, you've, uh, it sounds like you've learned a lot and it's been a, uh, a, a typical entrepreneurial path of peaks and valleys that you've uh, traversed. If you were to go back to um, 2020 when you started the business or even prior to that when you were doing your MBA and you're like, this is something that I want to do. Is there any advice that you would tell yourself to sort of provide you with some insights or allow you to sort of navigate some of the the more treacherous waters?
1: Yeah, my first my first word of advice would be raise twice as much money as you think you need.
0: That's interesting. Yeah,
1: that was a big that was a big thing. I definitely think you know if you think you need a million, truth is, you probably need two. And do you, you need you two, need do you think you would have had success?
0: Do you think you would have had success? doubling the amount of investment that you received up front. Um, yeah, I think it would
1: it definitely would have allowed us more on the marketing side. It would have allowed us to do more on that end um, to really get out in front of people and have to start um, you know, not not seeing that need to raise twice as much money as we did um there's lots of things like we, we could have done we could have done more sampling we could have provided more you know we could have mm-hmm. had packaging design for samples just yep. for that to hand out and stuff we could have invested a lot more in that and things
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and that being said obviously hindsight's 2020. yeah um I don't know if, if I would have I would I would have said wait till COVID's over I think I don't
0: know if it's ever going to be over is it <laughs> uh, It'll evolve forever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I think that I I would have, I would have tested more into marketing um, Mm -hmm. and more into uh, creating that public awareness.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is key. And not even just having, um, not even just having that part of the done of that. Um, uh, being able to even hire people so you can be more of the face of the company. So you can mm-hmm. be out there telling your story and not do mm-hmm. everything through print ads and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. No, I think a face of the business is very important, especially in this day and age. It's never been more important. Um, I've got another question before we wrap it up. And I hope I'm not overstepping the mark here, but... I've always wondered, like when you're out there and you're pitching an idea and the business hasn't generated a dollar of income, it's still a concept. And, you know, you mentioned before that really not only were they investing in the idea, but they were investing in you more so than anything at all, your capability and your reputation. How did you quantify the 15% of equity that you gave away to the dollar value that you received?
1: Um So I did that by demonstrating uh, like the number of retail stores, the opportunity to get on the shelf space, um, you know, knowing what the upcycled market was like globally, knowing that it's a $53 billion industry, Mm. um, knowing that coffee oil was a $2 billion industry um, and demonstrating, you know, all we need is a little, we just need a little slice of that right it's at it, um you know a lot of sharing a lot of research you know putting together the high points of you know consumer habits and all that stuff and really showing what the um possibility is right
2: mm-hmm.
1: um my timing was off that's all I was just really I was really aggressive you know I thought we would get there a lot quicker than we did um a lot of that you know was probably inexperience on the industry not knowing the game kind of thing from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, not too bad. I'm just two years off. Yeah. I mean, with what everything that's coming down the pipe right now, it's just yeah, it's just like it's a two year, two year delay, right?
0: Yeah. I mate, that was sort of out of your control at the end of the day, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you you know, there's a lot of things that we didn't foresee. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's also things that um um just trying to find that pathway through, right? On um, doing things, and then you end up with you know meeting people that um disconnect you with that next person that connects you with that next mm-hmm. person, and then that leads to bigger opportunities and it takes conversations, but it also takes time, and I think that's one of the hardest things. Um yeah knowing like how long that time window is, knowing that just because you have a, an amazing conversation with uh, with a bakery or with a restaurant or with a retailer or anything uh-huh. like that, just knowing you have that, that doesn't mean they're calling you in a week or two weeks and saying, hey, bring me this, or we're gonna do that. Uh-huh. Um, the whole sales cycle, I think from that perspective is a lot longer than what people
0: realize it is Mm -hmm. and
1: obviously more than what any entrepreneur wants it to be yeah
0: mate what a journey
1: yeah it's been cool
0: (laughs) no doubt i've got one more question for you if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever so this is in life in business what specifically would you have accomplished
1: um i think just the vision of what like what our facility is and everything mm-hmm. just humming just like we got raw material coming in we got finished product going out we've we've you know we've got we've hired the number of people that we wanted to hire we are seeing you know obviously you want to see growth and everything you just kind of seeing that uh that vision
2: mm-hmm.
1: come together right mm-hmm. like this is it actually works right not that you know you know we're actually our processing is is increasing almost weekly now um so we're slowly getting there right i think last month we processed almost eighty five hundred kgs of spent grain awesome yeah um so just it's like well we can do more Mm -hmm. right we can do more this is so let's let's get this done let's get that done yeah um and just being able to see that just being able to see that vision come to fruition. If, yeah. you know, obviously I'd rather be in the black than the red and all that stuff. Um, but then once we're there, then it's like, okay, now we can do better. Now let's throw in the next step. Let's do this. Let's do that.
0: Yep. Yeah. Mate, that's exciting. I've no doubt that you're going to get there. It's just a matter of, uh, as you said, it's just a matter of time and it's a matter of, you know, um, maintaining your margins I think at the end of the day so the business can support itself and you know in this industry as we know uh, there's a lot of inputs that are out of your control you know especially with uh, you know overheads being the way that they are right now and the expenses consistently increasing it's uh, yeah it's a tough gig mate and uh, I've got nothing but respect for the time and the energy that you're putting into it and congratulations on all of your success.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure, mate. If anybody wanted to get in touch or learn a little bit more about what you're doing at Ground Up, what would be the best way for them to go about it?
1: Um, they can find our website at uh, www.groundup.ev.com. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they can reach out on uh, whatsapp uh, at groundup.ev.com. That's our email. Yep. Um, or if they really want to pick my brain, they want to know more. Um, I think my phone number's on the website as well. So Yeah,
0: and LinkedIn, no doubt, as well.
1: Yeah, LinkedIn. It's, yep. uh, and then we're also on Instagram and Facebook, which are my nemesis.
0: So Perfect. I'll put all of the details and links down in the show notes for everybody to scroll down and click on. Mate, um, I really enjoyed today's conversation. Uh, you're full of wisdom, and I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to share it with us all today.
1: Thanks. I enjoyed it. We'll have to uh, fight face-to-face next time.
0: I'd love that. All right, take care, mate. Bye. Awesome. take care all right thanks again for listening into episode 123 with sean if you have any questions or comments from the episode or would like to get in touch with me to see how i can assist you with your packaging all of the links that you need to get in touch can be found down in the show notes below all right thanks again for another great episode i hope to have you all back next week cheers